the Ramon Foster Show brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they're open 24-7 serving hot, fresh food, including Moan, my son's favorite tots. Tots? The tots at Get-Go are out of this world. And we made a special trip last night for these tots. You know, sometimes this stuff sounds like, (laughs) you know, like we're hawking a brand or whatever. But then there's me and my son driving in the middle of the night to go get the tots, you know. To go grab some tots. They got to (laughs) be awfully good for you to drive to go get some tots. Hey, that says a lot about full service. No question. Let's talk today about something that's a, a totally foreign subject. To Ramon, that would be the offensive line. <laughs> the Steelers spent a ton yeah. of money, as yeah. they should have, to address the O line. Uh, in addition to keeping Chooks for nearly thirty million dollars, they added James Daniels. They added Mason mm-hmm. Cole. They created competition on the interior. They're they're going to stick with Dan Moore by all accounts. But Moan, yeah. that doesn't just—that's not a magic wand, is it? No, it's not, man. And uh, I know we've kind of discussed it lightly, you know, here and there as far as what does it actually what does it mean for this offensive line? We have some people asking, well, how come they didn't go ahead and grab somebody else in the draft? And, you know, just trying to solidify the group, because I think a lot of people think if you'll get a high pedigree guy, then that also means that you're going to automatically have a good offensive line. And I don't think that's the case. I know that another team in our division, the uh, Cincinnati uh, Bengals. They also want to spend a whole lot of money. We've seen certain teams go get a high pedigree guy and they still need time to adjust. This line that Pittsburgh has right now, yes, you spent a whole lot of cash as far as free agency goes, but they still got a mess. They still have to be around each other. They still have to like and dislike each other, too. And that's the part of the building. That's that's creating scabs and, and, and just being able to say, I can trust you if you can be that blunt with me. One of the one things that we had on our line was, and you know this, honest truth about where we were going to be. What, what were our goals? Why are you complaining? You know, what What can we do to fix it? If you're not going to do anything to shut up, like we could be that honest with each other. And it could have came off wrong the way we kind of said it to one another at times, but it also created a bunch of love, a bunch of transparency and a bunch of trust on the field. And that's where you're trying to get to. If you know a guy is dogging in that practice, not really giving it his all. And you're not man enough. I have the cojones to say, hey, man, what we finna do? We're going to do that on Sunday? Are you going to allow us to be great? Because what you got going on right now is not it. I'll be honest with you. Some of the young you guys we had. You did huh? that? It was, it was across the board. You Everybody did that. had their I'm day. I'm asking if you did huh? that. I was the other side of it. What does I that had mean? to bring him back in. Pounce oh, would get him early. You were good cop. See what I'm co- asking? <laughs> you but it was good, good cop, cop, bad cop. Uh-huh. But it, until I got fed up. And that's where the other side came in. Pounce was always bad cop. And I was the good cop bringing it back in. Dave, Al, uh, Gil, it was the, the other part. But with his openness to challenge somebody to bring something to the table or bring something up. Or, you know what I'm saying? And we had a motto in our room for the most part. Any day is your day. Meaning, if it's just your day to just be under the gun, face it. That's everybody, including the coaches, were under the gun when it comes to culture, work ethic, and just all-out output of what we were trying to be as a group. So Pounce would initiate it, and then I'll bring it back in. All right, so within that, before we get back to the main guys here. I like how you're breaking this down. (laughs) You know, but but I'm not letting you off here. Okay, so let's go to an especially, how shall we phrase it, challenging game. 
for your offensive line, such as the one in Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. and oh, I don't have God. to explain. I don't have. Oh, yeah, here we yeah. go. Okay, oh, all right. Man. So, so here it comes. Fletcher Cox and all these guys, and they're just boom, boom, boom. And there's a bad day. And there's Dave, David DeCastro, all pro, multiple times, all pro, having a rough day. And he was not alone. I'm not mean to pick on Dave, but Dave was the one that was lined up with Cox. And, And oh my goodness, it did not go well. Who says something or does anything need to be said in that setting? And that particular moment was more much than anything about what we needed to be doing. And I'll also say this to I say this to I was actually out of that game, too. I ended up having an injury and BJ went in and got worked a little bit, too. It happens to everybody, but it was much. And it got to a point in that game. I remember it's just like, all right, let's just end this. This is this is just the worst day at the office right here. <laughs> Nothing you can do. And all you can say is Fletcher Cox is that guy. We got to make sure that the guys are coming in off the bench know what they're getting themselves into. And it was just a bad day at the office. Dave took that one hard. He, like, hard. He did. He did. Actually, I shouldn't say that. All I can all I can attest to is how he was immediately after the game. Yeah. Uh, I can't and, imagine how long it lingered. And, and so when, when a guy had a bad day, Dave, like you always brought this up, when it got to the point to where he'd be more vocal to us. He would say, don't worry about that. You, you see my game against Philly and Fletcher Cox? He would acknowledge certain things like that. But when, when you have that type of day, you know, it's one of those, well, he's going to be a pro enough about it to fix it. And he took it to heart. I remember watching Dave after had just been like trying to figure out what was going to be his next move as far as trying to bounce back. You know, but a young guy like BJ, he's not afforded that type of skin in the game to be like, oh, yeah, you're going to get it. No, we tell him, you better show the, the bleep up. Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, you can't have this and then expect to be talkative and do all these types of things in the meetings. That's not how we rock, and we're not nah, going to make an excuse that's the for it. The difference it's is, is this. Thing, yeah. Everybody's okay with somebody getting worked in the room, and that's the beauty of, of having five guys doing one thing. Is, but the moment you started making excuses about it is when the entire room got on you about it. And that's why I said the transparency. Pounce will be the first one. No, no, no. Forget that. This is why. This happened. Don't make an excuse. What we were huge about not making excuses for stuff. Not, that's why I said that the, the 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 love and the hate and the honesty about what the group has to get early on. The quicker they get to that point, the better this offensive line will be, and, it, and it'll be to the point to where we all understand if they're going to be above the line or below the line, and it's just that simple. Yeah, and and dropping names here probably isn't going to do us any good because you know I can say that last year that Trey Turner was the most likely leader of that offensive line, although I'm not really sure that they had one. Trey Turner just happened to be the oldest guy of the group. I really think the offensive line's leadership came from Adrian Clement, like you mentioned before, but the coaching staff, the the people that are involved, it wasn't necessarily at the line level. You didn't see any cohesion. So this year you have, especially Daniels and Cole, coming in as 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 new guys. Yeah. Um it's not always the one who's the most well spoken who is the the leader. You never know who it yep. might be. It might be the quietest guy. But Moan, our interaction early on with James Daniels has been off the charts. Tone setter. I mean, he just sounds like what you're describing. He sounds like the guy who's going to tell it like it is but also is going to be the one uh, who can speak 
for the group that didn't that wasn't yeah. necessary with you guys because you had you had a lot of people who could speak yeah. for the group. Okay, <laughs> but but I th- I think this line, yeah, and I'm going to say this way in advance. I think this line needs a central force. This line needs someone to say, "Hey, uh, I'm that guy, and here's how it's going to be." And and. You know what? You need that one. Pounce was our one when it came down to setting that. And then you have me to be like, bring it all in. And everybody else had their separate roles. You got to have both. It's a must because one leads to another. It was sometimes I go off and pounce and be like, all right, let me go talk to him. You know what I'm saying? So it is good cop, bad cop. It's a beautiful thing to have in the offensive line. When we come back, we're going to tell you about tomorrow's show, which is an absolute uh, can't miss. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, which tomorrow will be hosted by Ramon. Ramon's going to do the whole thing, and that's because he's going to have a very special one-on-one guest on here tomorrow. We will. It'll be the one and only Kevin Colbert. text him and he was simply when do you need me and i was like hey are, are we you know work friends now are we friend friends <laughs> you know but kev's always been that way man as far as our relationship especially when i i thought that you know he was more than just a person walking the hallways he's the actual gm you know and i he that's the way he's always carried himself inside the building he's just a guy i didn't know much about him he knew everything about me but um, when so many personnel that that people that walk inside of the building and realizing who Kev was and the interest that he had and I have and stuff like that, um, we've kind of built that relationship up. So for him to give an automatic yes was cool. But not only that, he was very careful in saying yes. But he was like, Ramon, this is my last one. You know, he's just let me know. It's like, then I'm going into hiding. And he didn't say hiding. He said, then I'm backing away. So we get the last conversation um, from Kevin Colbert right here at DK Pittsburgh Sports Online. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. And I want to I want to make sure that everyone understands the reason that I want to be out of it. This is and this is my call is if I'm on an interview with Kevin Colbert. I am going, I, I I don't have another mode. I don't have a second gear. I go right into reporter mode and I'm going to start asking him about his safety depth and, and whatever else. And it's going to be really boring. Okay. <laughs> this is just what we <laughs> reporters do. We have to try to find out information. And anytime we have an opportunity, this is any sport to deal with the GM. We start right away with this, that, this, that depth chart, this, that, you know, prospect that, whatever else. Okay. And I, I don't want, I, this, this, this is just R- Ramon, you and, and and Kevin have gotten to know each other, not just yeah. as as player and general manager, but as as friends. And that, people, that, yeah. that's that, as people. And also, he was the guy who was the GM in your draft year. Yeah, draft year, yeah. You know? So I, I, I've never really asked him that. Uh, I've I've gotten my draft slip as far as the information on me, and it was lined up. They had the right grade. They just picked another guy at that position. So I want to ask that. And and then the other part of it was, was it ever hard to cut that guy a year later for me? You know how do how do you swallow the hard book? Uh, you know swallow the hard pill when it comes down to, you know, making a decision that not acknowledging that you were wrong, but look, we're going with a better option so soon. 
And, you know, the other guy, he ended up doing well in his career. I mean, he's still working in Pittsburgh now. He's doing very well. So it's not an issue of, you know, success or failure. It's just an option of who's better at the time. And not just that, like I said, I was asking DK, you know, what do you want me, you know, is there anything particularly you want me to ask? And he was like, no, just have your conversation with Kev because that's what everybody wants to know and get him to unlock. And let's talk about some stuff that, and I want to ask him, you know, the, the general stuff. We'll save it for tomorrow. But if you have something that you, you've been dying to know how Pittsburgh operates, put it in the comments and I'll be sure to look through, especially today. I always look through every day, but especially today to see, oh, I never thought of that type of question. So it should be good, man. I'm really looking forward. And Kev's already unlocked. And we talked uh, last week sometime just to, you know, kind of hash out some stuff and just we didn't talk about no football. We talked about life and everything else. And so, that's the most Kevin good. thing of all, too. I, I would I, Again, we talk about these opportunities that you have. So, you know that one sidewalk at, at the Trobe leading up from Chuck Knoll Field up to yeah. where the, the media area is? Okay. Well, we have always had a really good chance of running past, whether it was Art Rooney or someone like that uh, on that sidewalk. So, again, your reporter, and he'll stop you for a second. Hey, how are you doing or whatever? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, okay, information, 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 right? Because we just don't. <laughs> We don't have a second year. Yeah. And, and and he'll come back with, hey, how's your business doing? And I'm like, wow. man, I was going <laughs> to, you yeah. know, safety depth. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, but you hit me with niceness. And I, 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 I'm going to tell you how my business is doing instead now. You know, you That's- just ruined it. Yeah, that's all you want to talk about because he's genuinely interested about the stuff we talked about uh, on our phone call like years ago. He still asked me about it. One of the first things we actually got on the phone, how the boys in the baseball going? You know, like that's all he wants to talk about. And uh, I found out a fun fact from him. The 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 the, the storied Vanderbilt baseball ba- uh, baseball coach, Tim Corbin. Tim Corbin, of course. Guess who coached him in college? I don't know. Kevin Colbert. Oh, no. He for was anybody who doesn't know, coach. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Tim Corbin is a is a legend in the college game. He he also, in, in my covering of the Pirates, uh, he coached, among other people, Garrett Cole, Pedro mm-hmm. Alvarez, Brian Reynolds. I mean, this is Vanderbilt is a factory. Yeah, uh, for not just for baseball, but for sending really good baseball players to Pittsburgh. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do they do afterwards? Is up nah, to them. <laughs> that'll be enough out of you. <laughs> but but um, I, I'm looking forward to having yeah. that conversation with them. No, it should be fun. It's going to be great. It'll be my favorite episode. I can't wait to see it. Uh, when we come back, hey Mo. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. It's time for the Hey Moan segment. And today's entry comes from Terry Ramey, who says, Wait, you're not taking the Browns seriously? You included only Cincy, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh in your discussion of the AFC North last week? You're talking Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett as your starting quarterback, and you're still not taking the Browns seriously? Come on, guys. You can do better than that. Um, no. no, we actually can't. 
No. No, we can't. No, we, we don't even subscribe no. to. No. <laughs> why, why would we do better when they <laughs> had draft the, pick after draft pick? And yeah, 20 top years. 10, yeah, no, top we're not five. better. They changed no. ownership during that time yeah. also. Yeah, and it kept the same behavior. And we're not better than that, Ron. We're just, we're, <laughs> wherever that low bar is for discussing the Browns, this is, this is pretty much where we exist. We don't even step over. We kick that low bar, okay? <laughs> That's what we do to that low bar. So this is the thing about like Cleveland, though, to me, is uh, they have a good team. They have great athletes. If you look at their overall talent, you say that team right there, if they ever get it together, whether it's the coach, whether it's the culture, whether it's ownership or management, whatever it is, they're going to be frigging phenomenal. And they've had everything that you could have asked a, uh, a organization to have. They've had top draft picks. They had a, a Hall of Fame left tackle. They went out and bought one of the best offensive lines that football could provide itself a couple of years back. And now they're breaking that up because it's not working for them. Um, uh, I'll tell you, I, let me throw one in here. I think they, go finally, got, I think they finally got a coach. I, I, mean, I, do I, too. I know Kevin Stefanski isn't without his, his own. Every coach has issues, but. This guy, compared to his predecessors, this is this is night then day. Uh, he's been really, really something impressive so far. Uh, and I, I thought that was a big, big part of it. And he's taken – Stefanski has a lot of pride in trying to create this culture. He's talked about it. He's studied other teams. He's, mm-hmm. he's looked at the Steelers and the Ravens mm-hmm. and said, how do we do that here in Cleveland? But they had – I mean, you want to talk about finger wagging over quarterbacks? My goodness! I, I know, and and not just that. They, I mean, think about it. They've had tight ends in the first round multiple times, cornerbacks, and, and I'm thinking to myself, even last year in itself, like either they really just didn't want Baker to be there as far as trying to preserve him and not have him play through those injuries, or that was just very we're going to call that coaching neglect. You know, it's just overall, just they could not get it together. And I don't want to think Stefanski's not that guy, but because he is pretty solid. I like what he's done so far. He's kept them in line as far as the antics for the most part. Even you got to think you had Odell and Jarvis Landry on the same roster. Like that in itself, and not just that, the Miles Garrett, like him and just the other guys they've had there, they actually, I think in recent history, have gotten the most out of Jadavian Clowney than any other organization in the NFL. So it's there. It's a matter of whether it's the quarterback continuously getting in the way, either to have an off the field incident, an arrest, something crazy, or bringing the Sean Watson that you're just like, God, dog, it was good until you went and did one or two things. So they always, to me, have outside antics that really derail the things that they got going good. Offensive line still pretty good. Two running backs that both could be all pro or both could be pro bowlers. The receivers a little questionable at times, but the defense solid. You know what I'm saying? Like they have everything that you need. It's just whether it's the ownership getting in the way, whether it's a decision of that old culture sticking around, which it shouldn't be at this point. No, they just mean, snake bitten, DK. You, well, they're 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 self snake bitten in a lot of ways too. You know, you can say what you want about Deshaun Watson and and his case and everything. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've because I don't cover Deshaun Watson. I've never yeah. taken the time to really dig deep into the into that whole matter. Um, yeah. I know about as much about it peripherally as most people do. Yeah, but I'll say this: 
if you want to finger wag at me and moan over, you know, you have Trubisky and whatever else here, okay, Deshaun Watson's numbers, stack them up next to Trubisky's in Chicago. Just do that. I'm yeah. not kidding. I'm not sitting here saying that he's a better quarterback or even that they're the same, but look at their numbers. Can, can, I, can I say this too? Because a guy that covers the AFC South now also, this is usually a two-team race as far as the division goes. Not a, and sometimes just a one team as far as the Titans and Colts go. And you got to look at this, Deshaun, the year he had over 5,000 yards, they was playing behind the entire time. Now, he was dynamic. You got to give that to him. But when somebody finger wags and say you guys are better than that as far as, you know, trying to give respect to a team, like you don't understand what the North is. And I don't say that in a cocky way. In any year in particular, especially this year, you got three solid teams that can all make the playoffs as far as Stiller goes the way the team is built, as far as what Cincinnati did last year. You got to think to yourself, Baltimore is going to find a way to play like a Raven at some point in time. So when we look at the last of the last of the last, when it comes down to the Browns, yes, we question them and always do because no matter what, if you bring Deshaun in the AFC North, you still got to go through the gauntlet. Well, let's remember that the gauntlet for Deshaun almost certainly is going to involve a lengthy suspension to start it's, the and, season, and it's not okay. the Jags anymore. And yeah, and and right, he doesn't he doesn't have those obligatory games either. But I, I the fact that he's not going to play for a significant chunk of the season, and who is in Cleveland, and who's going to keep them from getting buried in the standings before Deshaun's even allowed to play? I'm um, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not feeling Cleveland as part of this. Of this club here, if anything, if you want to throw somebody out of the, the mix here, you know there are, there are people that are going to do that and already are doing that casually with the Steelers. Yeah, and for I, sure. I'm sorry, man. That defense and T.J. Watt is the defensive player of the year. Uh, how how do you how do you just say nah, not them? And I'll I'll say this too. As as much as we're going to talk trash about either or the other, Baltimore has to fix their offense like fast. As you want to say, you know, Pittsburgh's got to deal with Mitch or, or, or Kenny Pickett or whoever the case may be. But what about Baltimore and their offense? Also, Cincinnati's playing a first place schedule this year. What you did last year is not going to fly unless you're just that damn good. And I'll give credit where credit is due when it's time. But I don't know if that's going to be the case, DK, when it comes down to saying one is better than the other. When I'll say this, I don't have that much faith in a Deshaun Watson-less Cleveland Browns. And I got a feeling that suspension is probably going to be about eight games or more, depending on what the league decides and what they yeah, find. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be significant because if you go back to if you go back to Ben's and it was four games and that was in a different time. Being being really candid here, okay. I'd yes. like to think that society's a lot more enlightened now about this sort of thing, and that you know Ray Rice getting two games for his thing for would abuse, not yeah. happen in 2022. I would like to think that that would not happen in 2022. So, yeah. Anyway, no. We're if you're thinking more of us, <laughs> rest assured we don't. We're we're down here. <laughs> the line is low and we kick it over every time, okay? Oh, was that your drink? I'm sorry. Go get another one. <laughs> wow. Oh man. This is this is the part where Juju stands over Vontez, you know. <laughs> but we got Kev tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. We have we have Kevin Colbert tomorrow, the Ramon Foster exclusive here 
uh, on, on his show. Anyway, me and you will talk again Wednesday. Let's do it. All right.